Welcome to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. We hope you enjoyed the upcoming podcast and hope this time is empowering, inspiring, and helpful as you pursue the dream God has put in your heart. The participants of this podcast are not attorneys, and this recording is not to be considered legal advice. Please contact your local attorney's office where needed. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast in which we talk about topics that help churches and ministries protect what God has called them to lead. Happy New Year to everybody. We hope that Christmas and New Year's was full of good things for you and your family. And now that it's the start of the new year, we want to take some time to discuss how pastors can set up their New Year's checklist as they embark on another year of ministry. I'm Bruce Wham, the host, and today joining me is Stevan German, who's the Director of Operations here at Start Church. And uh, I can actually say from experience, when Stevan took this position, things went from great to incredible. <laughs> really happy to have you. Well, thanks, Bruce. I'm definitely happy to be here. So for the New Year's checklist... You know, we were talking off mic a little bit about something that uh, you're going to introduce, the stop doing list. There's sometimes a list that pastors should consider, uh, you know, kind of a checklist, but I was just really surprised by the stop doing component. Tell me about that. Yes, yes. It's definitely a good idea to step back and ask yourself, how can I simplify my church or my ministry? By asking this question, we can literally start creating a certain type of list, and that's the stop doing list. Okay. Because honestly, during the year, pastors literally want to keep adding and adding yeah. and adding, and they make it super complicated. Right, right, but right. when you simplify things, it actually gives you a chance to restructure mm-hmm. and to really say, okay, this is what we have to have. This is what we need. Once you get your necessities down, then you can do all the other fun things that a lot of pastors want to do for the vision. I love that because if you start the year with a simple mindset, if you start out by saying, here's what we know are the core things, mm-hmm. then you can always elaborate more later. Exactly. Exactly. So in the stop doing list, um, typically we want to start this in January. You're going to have your board meeting in December. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about all of these new things, these new ideas. And when we do that, we tend to forget about the whole year, you know, and we treat it as a sprint versus a marathon. There's 12 months in the year. Yeah. Nobody said we have to rush. <laughs> right? Great point. So you, you're excited, you're eager to get started. You know, many of the churches are adding more programs to their calendar, and it really does seem like it's going to be an answer to all the issues. If mm-hmm. we just start this program, it's going to be great. But over time, though, too many programs can become burdensome. Mm-hmm. Now, the staff, the volunteers, they're really stretched, they're at their capacity, yep. they're tired, and they get burned out. This is where the term burned out comes from because they're just trying to do too much. And so this is where the stop doing list is going to be a huge help because you may have a children's ministry. Mm -hmm. You may have a youth ministry. You may even have a men's and women's ministry. But then you don't necessarily have the evangelistic and outreach and, you know, all these yeah. things because it's the same people that are serving. So you have the, the mom that serves in the children's ministry on Saturday morning for service or Sunday morning for service. Then they come on Saturday and they do the food pantry. Uh-huh. And then they come on Wednesday and they serve again. It's the same person. Yeah. So until you have what's actually needed on the front end, you actually will help yourself by simplifying. So. Well, you posed this question. What are we doing that is no longer producing life for the church? Elaborate on that a little bit. Life is all-encompassing. If you treat it like a plant, right? You sow a seed, Mm -hmm. but that seed, if not watered, if not getting enough sunlight, it doesn't grow. Mm -hmm. So when our volunteers and our our team members and even our ministers sometimes, they're usually out of the service doing things. Mm -hmm. They're not actually being fed back into, and that's going to hurt them in the long run because if they're not being fed, they're not being watered, and therefore there's no fruit. Or the fruit is stuck on the tree and it withers and dies. (laughs) That's a really good analogy. Yeah. 
I'm visual, so, you know, it helps me. <laughs> you had some really interesting questions on the do not or the, on the stop doing list. There's a couple of things that a church can ask themselves. Maybe you have a board meeting, you have a really impactful uh, meeting with the rest of the leadership, and you say, what are we doing that's no longer producing life for the church? You know, and, and you mentioned that's uh, so many areas where you're just draining your volunteers exactly. and they're burning out. The other one is, what are we doing that's only being done because we don't know how to stop that activity? Maybe it's a tradition. Maybe it's something that we just don't know what we do in its place. Mm-hmm. Honestly, expertise type services. For example, taxes and bookkeeping. Yeah. A lot of churches, they started off small. Maybe they just had the pastor, maybe a musician that they were paying. Mm-hmm. And it was easy to just cut a check yeah. and that's it. But now they've grown. Now they maybe have eight to 10 to 15 employees. And now they're having to consider the taxes portion of it. Are they even actually paying the taxes because they're non-ministerial staff? At that point, maybe outsourcing would be a good idea. You know, if you haven't, if you need bookkeeping services, reach out to Start Church because we have a great bookkeeping service and they're experts at what they do. Um, Delegating responsibilities. A lot of times pastors, when they start off, Mm -hmm. they are the janitor. They are the children's minister. You know, they are the mail pickup, you know, person. Uh But really they need an administrative assistant that can help them take off some of those responsibilities so that they can focus on the vision that God has given them. They need to be at home praying and reading their Bible, not sweeping the floors. And it's honorable. You know, that's great. But at some point you do need to have a team and let those team members focus on certain areas, you know, so. So what you're saying is stop doing can apply to a pastor who's doing too much that maybe exactly. he or she is not called to exactly. do. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because pastors get burned out. Yeah. Like it is a reality. And with so many churches closing every single year, I think the statistics actually say maybe 4,000 churches open, but 1,000 churches close yeah. every single year. And a lot of people think, oh, it's just because they didn't have the finances or this or that. For a lot of those pastors, that's not the case. Yeah. It's because they're burned out. They don't have help, and they really do need that help. And they're not being fed back into because they're the ones preaching every single Saturday. Yeah. But what happens when you have a ministerial staff, and you can tell your pastor, hey, pastor, it's your week to just sit down and be fed. Now we're creating health within the organization itself. Definitely. At the church where I serve, we have a team of preaching Uh preaching ministers. So it's really fun to get to swap out and hear from a different voice occasionally. And it relieves our head pastor from having to have the whole burden on his own. So delegating, the art of delegating mm-hmm. uh, is such a crucial skill. And we talk about that when I have a new caller that, you know, they're just called to, to preach or to start a church. And I talk to them about, hey, have you considered fundraising and the role that you're going to play with that? Have you mm-hmm. considered delegating to others for you know some of the administration and things like that? So that can be a really fine art to decide who's going to take what Yep, exactly. Exactly. Now, one big portion I did mention briefly is preparing for the tax season. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the board meeting, having that in December. You're going to be talking about compensation, contracts for people. Yeah. Uh, One big misconception in churches right now is that uh, musicians are not actual employees of the church. We hear it all the time. But according to the IRS, they are. So instead of having them complete a W-9 so that you can give them a 1099, Uh we actually need to be making sure that they're completing a W-4 and treat it as an employee so they get a W-2 come the new year. So when you're thinking about that, you're going through your checklist, it's really important not only to make sure that you're properly uh, informed as Mm. far as what type of employees need to get what form, but then making sure it's updated. It's really important to make sure we get that updated every single year, uh, especially if you move over to a payroll company, which, you know, we highly recommend if you have over five to eight employees, uh, so you're not handling it in-house, let a professional yeah. do that. 
but the one thing they can't do is get that information. Make sure addresses are updated. Make sure their social security numbers are there, you know, because that's going to be important when it comes time for that new tax year. Definitely better to tackle that in January than March or exactly. April. <laughs> <laughs> so go back to what you said about the musicians and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I do hear that misconception that, well, we they only come in every other Sunday or things mm-hmm. like that. But um you know, there's kind of a criterion by which the IRS would judge if someone is a staff person. Mm-hmm. And uh, typically, most people that are involved with the church are not independent contractors. Mm-hmm. They're not coming in and doing their own thing. They're mm-hmm. serving with the service that's already in place. Yep. So the easiest way to remember it is this. If you pay them on a regular, consistent basis, mm-hmm. and it's usually the same amount, but some people have varying amounts, they are considered an employee of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody else, painters, contractors, people who come out once every blue moon because there's a repair that may need to be fixed, those are contract workers. And they're usually going to be companies, maybe a sole proprietor. They own their own business. They came out and they painted the children's ministry area. But a musician who comes once a month, twice a month, every week in the month, they're considered an employee because you're paying them on a regular, consistent basis. There's a whole lot of codes, and we could go into all the details of it, but really, truly, that's the easiest way to know the difference. And it's going to protect you in the long run. If you're giving someone a 1099, they're the ones responsible for paying Mm -hmm. the self-employment taxes. But if it comes back later, the IRS could essentially tell the organization, well, you didn't file this paperwork correctly, and now you're held responsible for the employer taxes. So in any case, if you have questions, reach out. We can help you. Yeah. We can, we can uh, help you figure that part out. But really, that's an easy way to figure out if they're a W-2 employee or a 1099. Perfect. You know, you also talked about doing inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just taking stock of what's at the church, what's going on, that can help with taxes as well. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing to do at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Inventory is awesome. Because you have a starting point, and then at the end of the year, you have an ending point. And if you're using the bookkeeping services, they will help you actually work through the depreciation of assets that are over uh, about $600 to mm-hmm. $1,000. So if you have a keyboard that you paid 3000 for, uh-huh. if you had chairs that you had to get, things like that, they're going to help you manage that in your books. Because mm-hmm. if for some reason you had to go through an audit, those are the things they're looking for. Yeah. If you spent you know, $12,000... on a new building as a deposit, they're looking for any and everything, vans, trucks. It's important to make sure those things are in order. So, We've talked a lot about some of the practicals, Mm -hmm. and uh, again, we always invite you guys to call us if you have any questions. Mm -hmm. But Stevie, tell me a little bit more about the vision and when you're vision casting for the next year and kind of the, (laughs) the focus and things like that. When you're thinking about your vision, there are a few things. I'm a visual person, so I draw things out. So when you're having a meeting with your staff, even if it's just a team of two, the pastor and his wife, that's totally fine. (laughs) But write the vision, make it plain. That is biblical. And that is a standard that every organization should have, whether you're a church, a ministry, a CDC, or even a for-profit arm. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have a plan, then how can you know where you're going, right? So when you sit down, you're thinking about, okay, what is our budget going to be? You know, what are our tangibles? You know, what responsibilities do we have on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis, maybe semi-annually or annually? And we talked about taxes. We also talked about the 1099s and the W-2s. You have to start thinking about... Okay, do I want employees? You know, what is the president or the Mm -hmm. pastor? What is their role going to be? And that's going to help you determine, you know what, maybe we do need some more staff members. Or maybe we just need more volunteers. And then if you think that through, at least for the first six months, it's Mm going to make the last six months of the year a lot easier when you're starting to prepare. 
Well, there's a term that we've used around house called mission drift, and mm-hmm. it means that a church, you know, in all of its its vision and uh, the calling that the Lord put on them, uh, somehow has just kind of drifted away from that because of all the activities mm-hmm. and the scenarios that inevitably pop up. But mm-hmm. January is perfect time to kind yep. of revisit that. Absolutely. And some churches, you know, they really want to actually be more involved in missions. But some people always think about external, like let's uh-huh. go overseas and yeah. pay all this money. And they have the heart to still serve, but there's local missions as well. Even just reaching out and doing some research and finding out how can we be helpful in our community. You know, that could be a once a month kind of activity. And then maybe once a year, you take that big mission trips. Mm-hmm. But all of those come through that vision conversation when we say, what exactly are we looking to accomplish this year? Tell me just a few more details in terms of taxes and payroll, payroll taxes. It it gets confusing. (laughs) What in the world is going on? How can a church kind of prepare for some of that? Okay, so we talked a little bit about the, you know, W-9s and W-4s and W-2s and 1099s, right? That's the first layer to taxes and being prepared. (laughs) It goes deeper. It goes way deeper. (laughs) And there's a lot more detail into it. But one um, area in the IRS code is Section 74. Okay. Um, That one talks a lot about churches and ministries when they provide tangible gifts to employees. Yeah. Um, This is going to come in the form of maybe someone gave the pastor a birthday gift or a gift Uh card because it's the holidays. You know, Christmas just passed. Yeah. They want to be a blessing. It's the new year. Hey, let's start off great. Um, Well, part of that is making sure that everybody understands that any finances that they receive Mm -hmm. is still considered taxable income. Yeah. And so you have to really kind of iron out and say, okay, well, exactly what does that mean? Well, anything cash money is going to be considered taxable. They need to report it. Mm-hmm. The IRS is going to be looking for them to pay taxes on it, which is why a compensation bundle, if you know, if anybody has gone through our Start Right program, I highly recommend it yeah. because it's going to give them a compensation agreement that's going to break down exactly how much is salary, mm-hmm. how much came in from love offerings, how much is going to be covered for housing allowance. It's going to cover everything. Yeah. That is the safest way for any organization to make sure that they're covered when it comes to the finances. And now the program itself, when you're writing, you're giving awards, um, any of the conditions and circumstances that don't create a significant likelihood of being disguised as compensation is usually where the hiccup comes in. So those mm. gift cards. Mm-hmm. Well, we gave our pastor a gift card for his birthday. Is that taxable? Yes. Yeah. That's a simple it's answer. It's a monetary value. It's monetary, right? Now, if you think about um, an award that maybe is tangible, property like tablets, laptops, desk even. Somebody wants to overhaul, you know, the office and give the pastor a brand new desk. That's great. But it can't be um, like travel, vacations, meals, lodging, theater, sporting event tickets, stocks, bonds, all these other types of securities. Like those are going to be considered tangible, Mm -hmm. but there's still a value on that. And that's where we kind of break down. Okay. If it's over a certain amount, then nine out of 10 is going to be considered still taxable. But again, in that compensation agreement, it breaks yeah. those kind of things down too. You know, That was so. my first introduction to Start Church when I was in full-time ministry and uh, they did the housing allowance. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is revolutionary. Mm-hmm. You know, for my family, we were a uh, family of uh, three kids at the time. Now I've got four, mm-hmm. but we were all crammed into a one bedroom apartment and uh, our bedroom, uh, our bed, I should say, was in the kitchen. <laughs> so we were making some <laughs> sacrifices for the Lord, uh, but the housing allowance was revolutionary. It really helped us in a time of need. So, you know, again, we always invite you to just reach out. If you have any questions about how you can maximize your housing allowance or how mm-hmm. you can make sure that you are paying the proper amount of taxes, nobody wants to pay more taxes, but nobody really wants 
wants to actually pay penalties and things like that and get in trouble with the IRS. So it's always better to ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And a general rule of thumb is any kind of gift that's not cash. So we talked about the time. Maybe you just want to give an award because they've been there for a longer length of service or those tablets or laptops. If it's over $400, that's Mm -hmm. typically where, you know, you're going to kind of run into, okay, we need to treat this as, you know, income Mm -hmm. of some sort. Now, in regards to payroll, we talked about that a little bit. Highly recommend getting a payroll service. Uh, mm-hmm. We use a company here at Start Church. You know, feel free to give us a call. You know, we have some consultants and specialists that can help you out with that. Uh, but definitely make sure that they're filing your 941s. That mm-hmm. is very important. Uh, they're typically going to be quarterly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different states have different rules, but your payroll company, that's what they do. They're the experts. Yeah. Let them lead you, <laughs> let them guide you, you know, through that process. So nothing gets missed. I um, mean, most cases, they actually will file that for you on time. If for some reason yours are only due once a year annually, it's usually due by January 15th. But in most cases, most organizations are going to be due quarterly. Mm-hmm. So after the first quarter, it's usually due the 15th of that next month and it kind of carries on. The final payment is typically due by January 15th, and the IRS is paying attention. So this is why we recommend experts. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because there's so many people like myself that I'm just not calendar or deadline oriented, mm-hmm. so I needed that reminder. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes. If you have payroll of any kind, <laughs> make sure that you are you have a payroll company that's filing that for you. Now, in regards to any non-cash items, we kind of talked about that. If they're valued at or more, right? They're donated. Um, We have to dispose of them. Usually it's going to be a raffling, anything that's happening within three years. You are required to file Form 8282 with the IRS. Um, A good example of this is going to be somebody donates a van, Mm -hmm. right? We typically see that in churches. Oh, Pastor, you know, I just want to be a blessing to the children's ministry so they can do VBS and do field trips. Here's a van. Mm -hmm. Well, the van 9 out of 10 is going to be valued at about $15,000 or more, right? So we have to walk through that process to make sure that the IRS is fully informed that we have received this donation. So yeah. that's another big one in regards to taxes. And what, tell us about unrelated business income tax, the dreaded UBIT. Tell, <laughs> what, what is UBIT? What is unrelated business income tax? Do we have to talk about that one, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... The easiest way to think about UBIT, unrelated business income tax, any activity that actually occurred in the organization that does not fall within the purpose of that organization is unrelated. That's the easiest way I can explain that. There's a whole code and, you know, the IRS, you can go to the IRS website and read all about it. But if you have a church, Mm -hmm. right, and they're going to sell chicken dinners. Yeah which is typical, you know, especially in the South. They want to have meals at church. But when you get into the point of now you're selling those meals, Uh now the question becomes, are we selling them because we're raising funds for a fundraiser, for a missions trip? Or are we selling them just because we can sell them? Now you're competing with other restaurants in the area. That's right. There's a lot of other factors that go into how this becomes unrelated business income. Yeah. But coffee shops are another great example. A lot of churches now, they have cafes, they mm-hmm. have all these you know, coffee shops they want to have open. If it's only open during like hours of church service, yeah. then you're usually okay. That just kind of goes back into the, the budget you know, for the churches. Yeah. But when you have that coffee shop opened Monday through Saturday, maybe you're closed on Sundays, it's now competing with Starbucks. It's competing with yeah. the local coffee house, you know, down the street. And now you're looking into more of the category of the, 
the UBIT situation. But it's a fine line. You know, give us a call again if you have questions. You know, we have experts here that can help you determine if it's going to be UBIT or not. Yeah, and there's some easy solutions for things like that, mm-hmm. whether it's opening a for-profit branch of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some great things that we can do here or uh, point you in the right direction. Yep. Um, one of the last things on your list that a church needs to tackle in terms of taxes and finances is health insurance. Yes. So everybody's pretty much familiar with the Affordable Care Act, and 25% of their income is refundable uh, during that tax credit. So you have to go online, you have to fill out a document, it's a few steps there. Uh, but one big thing is just making sure that you know that your tax credits are actually being applied. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some scenarios, if you were to go on the website, you fill everything out, you think, I'm going to have a tax credit. And because you're you know, clergy... Mm-hmm. They have stipulations, and you may or may not actually have that tax cre- uh, tax credit applied. So, this is again one of those areas where we say, you know, what things should we be handing off to an expert? Give them a call, let them walk you through it, so you know that you're doing it correctly. Because insurance companies know how to help with the clergy part of insurance. Excellent. Well, hey, we just spent a lot of time on kind of the minutia <laughs> of the taxes and things like that. Let's revisit just kind of the area of vision casting. And uh, you have a list called the refocus list. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. So every leader encounters what we call mission drift. Uh, even if you have one clear vision for your church, the day-to-day operations can literally cause you to drift. It makes you kind of fall to yeah. the wayside a little bit and you kind of forget what our purpose is. Yeah. You know. So we talked about a little bit in January, you know, you're thinking, okay, it's it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, yeah. you know, but a big part of that is making sure you have time to sit down. Now, it could just be a team of two, the pastor and his wife, that's and that's okay. <laughs> that's totally fine. That's a great team. They work well together. They do life together, <laughs> right? But you have to have time to actually sit down and say, okay, what are the necessities mm-hmm. and what are the desires? Yep. When you sit down and you know what your necessities are, it kind of realigns you with your vision. Because in most cases, it may be something as simple as hosting services every Sunday, hosting services every Wednesday, and then maybe a food pantry mm-hmm. on Saturday. And that's okay. That's what the initial vision started off to be. Maybe every other Saturday, you have an evangelistic team that goes out into the streets and they do outreach. And that's fine. But all of those things need to kind of be revisited at the beginning of the year when you have that meeting so everybody's back on the same page. Yeah, I mean, the best leaders still have to recalibrate mm-hmm. and just kind of realign back to the vision of the mm-hmm. Lord because over the course of 12 months, you know, inevitably doing church means handling weird and out-of-the-box situations mm-hmm. and, you know, getting a little bit off track sometimes. Yep, yep, and it's okay. This is per- the perfect time to recalibrate. You know, we talk about and we hear a lot of churches that are hosting like a 21-day fast in January, January 1st through January 21st. Uh This is the time to really allow God to just say, you know what, maybe you have gotten a little off track, but when you're taking that time to spend with him, and this is like primary time just for him, no kids distracting you, no work distracting you, you really sit down and you allow him to kind of become your true north again. He's back in the captain's seat, so to speak. I'm very visual, so I don't know why I think about things like that. But if you think about Star Trek or Star Wars, you know, the captain sits in that seat. And if we allow our family to be sitting in that seat, we're off a little bit. If we allow our jobs to be in that seat, we're off a little bit. Yeah. But if God truly is back in that captain's seat, everything else falls in line and everything is back in order the way it's supposed to. And where we feel that burnout time frame, where we feel like, oh man, I can't do this. I have so much to do. He gives us that peace in every other area, but it's because he's back in that captain's seat. So that's what that refocus list is all about. It's putting him back in that spot. I love that visual. Habakkuk 2.1 talks about how uh, a 
you know, leader, an elder, a pastor is kind of like the guard that's standing on the post. Mm-hmm. And they're waiting to see what God would say. And, and that's a, another visual that kind of means the same thing. You're protecting the vision. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, again, uh, it sounds pretty elementary, but for a reason. But spending time with God and getting yeah. his heart for the church is a yeah. definite must-have. Yeah. I mean, you really do have to take a moment to just think about the time where you started the ministry in the first place. It could have been a basement. Like our founder here, you know, at Start Church, he started in a basement. God gave him an idea and now we are where we are today. But it's all because you have to refocus and remember what God initially asked you to do and why you said yes. When you say yes, it is a mantle that kind of comes on you because you do hold that responsibility now, you know, of saying, I will uphold everything that God has given me to make this come true. And whatever steps he tells me, I will follow. But you're following God's steps, not your own steps. Amen to that. Well, tell us about how to actually make an action plan and to implement the vision. Okay. So everybody get your pens out. Make sure you have some paper. You can get a tablet and type if you're like me and you don't like writing too much. But this is important. Number one, be specific about what God is showing you. Does the vision mean fine-tuning your church's youth ministry, growing your outreach department, building up your leaders within the ministry, or even growing your church deeper in an understanding of God's word? Consider the following questions to help you create a plan of action for implementing the renewed vision for your ministry. Okay? What will it take to see the vision come to life? That's a good one. Will I need to restructure church services or change our curriculum? How will this change in vision affect our current budget plans and calendar? That's huge. Will this change require new staff? Do we hire new staff? What commitment will the vision require from our current team? This goes back to the burnout Mm -hmm. question. What type of training will your leaders need in order to outwork the new direction for your ministry? Now, all of these questions, it may sound like, Oh, those are repeats. You know, those are repeats. But it kind of goes back to what we talked about before. You don't want people to be burned out. Yeah. You can have a great vision and you can want to sing from the mountaintops and go to England and go to Africa. But if you've only got five people on your team, <laughs> somewhere the ball is going to get dropped yeah. or they're going to commit and they're going to be on fire for God and they're going to do it. And in their minds, they're going to say, I will do what the Lord has asked me to do. But their bodies are going to say otherwise. Yeah. You need to rest. You need to give them time to make sure they're eating. You know, a lot of churches now, they have food or brunch in between services. And that's kind and that's great. But if the same person is serving every single <laughs> yeah. Sunday, that brunch moment <laughs> is probably not going to, you know, be enough. So just keep those things in mind because sometimes you do need new staff. Um, sometimes you do need to make sure that calendar. It's great that you want to go on a missions trip and it's great that you want to have all these events every year, but does your budget allow you to? Maybe you need to do more fundraising, things like that. Something I'm picking up from those questions is that there's an automatic implied willingness mm-hmm. to change. Yes. I'm very reluctant to change most of the time, but if I have a vision from the Lord, you know, and it's like, hey, this is what God's calling us to do. Mm-hmm then everything is worth moving that direction, even if it means changing something that I'm used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, change is not easy for for everyone. And it kind of leads into, you know, when you're creating the plan, make sure you're communicating the vision to the church, but there's still a tiered system, so Mm -hmm. to speak. So like I said, it may be a team of two. 
pastor and his wife. Well, they're going to have pillow talk. They're going to sit and they're going to talk about the vision. They're going to pray about it. And that's it. <laughs> but maybe you do have a more developed and immature, you know, staff where, okay, now the pastor has prayed about it. He's come out of his closet, you know, to talk about this with God. Now it's time for him to talk to his leadership team. The last thing a leadership team wants is to be blindsided. Yeah. The pastor gets up, he's preaching a sermon and then he goes, oh yeah, church, by the way, you know, we're going to do X, Y, and Z in 2020. And the leadership team is kind of looking at each other. You know, and they're like, we are? <laughs> and then they kind of have to scurry along to yeah. kind of get prepared for these changes. However, if there was a staff meeting, you know, usually it's going to be right after the board meeting. Um, the pastor has an opportunity to kind of lay out the vision, lay out the plan, and kind of allow for the back and forth conversation of, okay, this is how we're going to accomplish this. And now when everybody leaves that meeting, now everybody is bought into this new vision or this upgraded vision, so to speak. And everybody has that same mantle that the pastor has to be able to go out and make that vision become a reality. We always tell people to stay encouraged. You know, mm-hmm. The vision is going to work if you work the vision. Mm-hmm. And the vision hastens towards the end goal, and it's not going to fail if you're faithful to run with it. And, you know, that's the key word is faithfulness. Like you said, it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. So be faithful to continue to pursue the Lord and he'll provide Absolutely. the details. And sometimes you have a vision at the beginning. You're like, this is where we know we're going. We know we're going to take step A and B. We're not sure what step C looks like, but he'll reveal that once we get there. Mm-hmm. Now you had one other uh, thing that we want to end with today, the celebrate list. Yes, Tell me a little I love bit that about one. that. <laughs> so we work hard, we work, 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 work. And it's, very rare, you know, and I, and I do hope that after this, maybe it'll be become more frequent, you know, in organizations, especially churches, nonprofits, you work really, really hard. And sometimes the, the end result is not always going to be where somebody's patting you on the back and saying, thank you. Yeah. But we do have to celebrate the victories. I mean, you really do have to just take some time to say, you know what? We appreciate our volunteers. We appreciate our staff. You guys are so awesome. You may see this in some churches where they'll have a members meeting towards the end of the year or towards the beginning. And they say, well, in 2019, we got, you know, 5,432 members saved. In 2019, you know, we saved $1.5 million, you know, da, 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 da. That's a celebrate list yeah. because you want to start the new year or end the old year by saying, this is what God did this year. And this is, we know he's going to be able to do even more the next year. Mm-hmm. So you have to have that list because people are really working hard, whether they're staff members, they're volunteers, even the little babies, they have to get up an hour early so mommy can come <laughs> and serve. <laughs> you know, so those are, those are a lot of the things that we talk about. You know, ask yourself, did we celebrate our team? You know, a lot of times you'll have volunteer uh, dinners or activities or mm-hmm. some kind of event. That's another way to celebrate, you know, but think that through. That goes into the budget in January. <laughs> it's yeah. full circle. But make sure you're celebrating them. Make sure they know that they're appreciated. Make sure that they know that they've accomplished something. And if it wasn't for them, it may not have been accomplished, you know, because you need a team of people. Well, hey, you've given us a lot to chew on both with uh, the theme, the vision, but also some of those practicals. And mm-hmm. again, we always invite people. If you don't know exactly what your scenario should be should uh, look like, give us a call. We'd love to help walk you through some of these scenarios. And thanks again, Stevie, for being on the Not podcast. A problem. I it's enjoyed been a treat. It. <laughs> and thanks again for all of you who are listening. We hope that today's podcast has shed some light on how to show gratitude for the church leaders and those who help out, the volunteers. And to those of you listening, we hope you found information that's helpful. You can always go to podcast at startchurch.com if you'd like to provide us a little feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And you can always go to www.startchurch.com. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718. 
or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.